Hello, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Peter Henke, who is a vascular surgeon and section head of vascular surgery at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. He will be answering my questions about his recent session at the VEATH Symposium 2021. Let's listen in. Um, can you give us a brief overview of your session and any of the research you'll be talking about? Yeah, so basically uh, I was assigned a topic looking at the uh, kind of the optimal use of anticoagulants and or antiplatelet therapy in patients who've had bypass grafts of either uh, a vein uh, conduit type or a prosthetic type and basically reviewing the most recent data that applies to those group of patients, as well as describing a little bit of our uh, statewide data from our quality collaborative that that surveyed the use of DOACs, which are directoral anticoagulants in post-bypass patients um, that was uh, published about a year and a half ago. Great. Um, So can you give us a little bit more in depth about those patients who might benefit from anticoagulation? Yes. For anticoagulation, you know, in the old days, so to speak, it was basically the use of warfarin. And so that, while effective, has bleeding uh, risks, you know, that are not insignificant. Most of our patients who uh, require a bypass for limb salvage or for severe claudication uh, are already on aspirin. So that's pretty well accepted, and and that's an effective and and cost-effective medication. The addition of warfarin in the past, uh, again, was standard for patients who had uh, an at-risk graft, or I wouldn't say standard, but many practitioners used warfarin for patients who had an at-risk graft. And what I mean by that is patients who may have one vessel runoff as their only uh, blood flow to their foot, patients who've had prior failed bypasses, and this is the, the salvage bypass. And thirdly, patients who've had prosthetic bypasses that cross below the knee. So they go from the groin of the femoral artery down to a tibiovessel or the below the knee popliteal artery. And so those benefit from being on an anticoagulant such as warfarin. Now, the more recent data with the use of anticoagulants is the kind of the revolution of the DOACs or the direct oral anticoagulants. And typically we use uh, factor 10A uh, inhibitors such as uh, rivaroxaban, apixaban, adoxaban are kind of the most common ones uh, that are used. Those have generally the same efficacy as warfarin does for preventing clotting, pathologic clotting or thrombosis, uh, but they have a a better safety profile. They're also easier for patients because you don't have to undergo repeated blood draws. You don't have to worry quite as much about what you eat diet-wise with leafy vegetables or things that had a lot of vitamin K in them, which would uh, inhibit the warfarin effect. So it's basically kind of surveying or, or, or putting up best opinion and, and evidence uh, related to the use of the new oral anticoagulants or the DOACs with aspirin in our patients. Along that same line, uh, there's uh, been a couple very large, well-done randomized control trials, primarily initially focused on patients who are high risk for cardiac or who have high uh, cardiac risk, uh, coronary heart disease. Uh, one of those was called the COMPASS trial, which was using uh, com- assessing the benefit, potential benefit of low-dose uh, rivaroxaban with aspirin compared to just uh, aspirin alone and showed a 
significant benefit with regards to major cardiac uh, events, um, morbidity and mortality. Then the, the little more relevant study to this topic <clears throat> or this session is the major trial, which was again, a multi-center randomized controlled trial looking at rivaroxaban plus aspirin in patients who've had either an endovascular procedure, which I'm not talking about in this session, the use of medications around endovascular procedures for PAD, but for bypasses made up about 35% of that group. And again, showed a benefit in terms of a composite endpoint with morbidity, mortality, and limb loss, but really it showed a decrease significantly in acute limb ischemia. So it seemed to protect from unexpected or acute graft occlusions is, is my read of that paper. So uh, we're going to go over that data in this session. Uh, and then uh, again, getting back a little bit to our statewide data that was that came out prior to that, the Voyager trial and the use of uh, direct oral anticoagulants. At that point, the majority of vascular surgeons considered its use, but didn't routinely use it. But again, this is about a year and a half ago. So that's kind of the, the long and short of the aspects of this session with regards to anticoagulation in bypass patients. Interesting. Um, so where do you think the research is going? after all of this new data is coming out? Yeah, I think um, kind of refinements probably in identifying the two areas. One is, while the trials I just mentioned looked at aspirin plus a low-dose uh, direct oral anticoagulant, can you use or is it better to use Plavix uh, or a P2Y12 inhibitor, uh, which can be Prasugrel or Ticagrelor plus uh, low-dose rivaroxaban? Is that more efficacious? Is it as safe? Uh, that's an unanswered question that I think may just have to be answered by, you know, using retrospective methods uh, for patients who are put on them. Things such as using the, the VQI, which is the, the quality registry across the U.S. That, that's sponsored by the SVS. So that's one uh, main area, I, I think. Who are the patients who need the full-strength direct oral anticoagulant plus an antiparapy versus just a low dose? Are there certain subgroup there? higher risk of clotting, even with low dose and maybe benefit from that, that higher dose uh, of a direct oral anticoagulant, realizing there are, there are bleeding risks with that as well. So it's that, so determining kind of that balance uh, too. And then I think thirdly, the cost of these agents isn't insignificant, meaning that warfarin is, is cheap as a pill. Now the cost in that comes somewhat in the monitoring and the patient time commitment and, and potential bleeding risks. But the new direct oral anticoagulants are all, of course, still under patent, and they're not cheap. I mean, there's programs that pharmaceuticals companies have to help patients pay, but getting that widely disseminated can be a challenge. So it's it's one of these things where it's a, these are good agents, but they come with a you know they're not free, <laughs> they're they're not cheap, especially if you don't have insurance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what are some of the other challenges that doctors might experience, physicians, specialists, or even general practitioners um, might experience when um, prescribing anticoagulants or managing patients on anticoagulants? Yeah, certainly the, you know, it's the, the big aspect of these is, is the, the bleeding, clotting tightrope sometimes. So certain patients who are elderly, frail, maybe with renal failure, they're higher risk of bleeding. So using those, any agent that, that thins the blood uh, are higher risk for bleeding as well. But some of those patients have the high, higher clotting risk uh, too. So it's, that's one major uh, 
thing I think that needs to be balanced um, and is a and, and can be a challenge. One of the upsides of the you know the older fashioned anticoagulation of warfarin is it took a while for the effect to the patients to be therapeutic as measured by the INR. And so once you were there, you usually had a couple of days of leeway. So with these new agents, if they stop taking them or miss doses, they may clot. And, and we do see that sometimes where patients who, you know, are kind of dependent on these to keep a, a bypass open, or we think that's what, what helps keep it open. If they get sick or they can't take their medicine or they forget, like, you know, especially with folks in this group generally are on multiple medications that they may, you know, they could lose that effect. So they don't have as much of a, a therapeutic buffer of the anticoagulant with the new agents that you do with the older agents. I mean, you have some, it's not, you know, uh, it's not gone by 24 hours, but definitely within two days, you're losing that effect. So that's another challenge that I think anyone who prescribes these medications for, you know, any condition, atrial fibrillation, uh, coronary heart disease, uh, venous thromboembolism, you know, that's a, that's one of the things that needs to be considered. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we'll get the research to uh, investigate that a little bit more. Yeah, I think one thing that, um, you know, with the uh, electronic health records that are so prevalent now, the the databases are generally getting better and better uh, with regards to being able to get kind of granular data of medication use and pairing that with patient outcomes. I mean, it's it's not gold standard of a randomized controlled trial, but those are so expensive that, you know, that's prohibitive in many cases. And so I think, you know, thinking two, five years in the future, I think this will be in the artificial intelligence and, and computer, you know, increased efficiencies of computers. I think a lot of this will be able to be answered without a, you know, a separate trial. So I think that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. So then what would you say, if nothing else, that your audience takes away from your session? With the data that that I show and the data that some of the summative data, um, it can be confusing uh, for practitioners to know which antiplatelet therapy to use for these patients, which anticoagulant to potentially use, and or which combination to use. So I would hope that with the session that with what I present, especially on the on the summary slide, um, that I've tried to make it as clear as I can based on, you know, some evidence that's pretty strong and some evidence that's not, and it's kind of expert opinion. But having said all that, I think one take home would be, you know, aspirin is still kind of gold standard for our bypass patients, the gra- whichever type of grafts you use. I think with uh, anytime you use prosthetic below the knee, you need to have some type of anticoagulant, probably full strength. So that's not the low dose. And I think with any vein graft bypass, aspirin plus a low dose, direct oral anticoagulant should confer benefit in terms of increasing the patency and, and potentially limb salvage. So I think that's, those are the three main things. If, if they take that away from it, um, that'll be good. Great. Um, okay. So is there anything else or any final thoughts? As surgeons and vascular medicine specialists and cardiologists, primary, you know, anyone who deals with elderly patients who are on uh, potentially both antiplatelet and anticoagulant therapies, I think there's more recognition now that there's some real dangers for overprescribing these in patients who may not have a benefit. So, you know, vascular surgeons in particular are, I think, generally more re- worried about thrombosis and cl- than bleeding long-term, but our 
colleagues oftentimes see the downside of this where the patient's admitted with a big GI, you know, gastrointestinal bleed or some other major thing. So I think keeping that in mind and, and going with, as the evidence comes out, you know, I think one of the things from these trials is that the lower dose, you know, safer DOAC is probably as effective as, as, you know, warfarin. That was not compared directly, so it's just my guess, but it's, it's safer. So it's, it's keeping that safety aspect in mind that, you know, sometimes we get so focused on saving the limb that we hit them hard with anticoagulants and antiplatelet therapies, but don't often consider the downside of that. So that's just a kind of a cautionary note as, as one additional thing. Great. Perfect. Um, all right. So thank you so much for answering my questions and speaking with me today. Yeah. Well, thanks for um, having the interest. I love talking about this stuff. <laughs>